Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. Shamika Tankerson, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I am feeling doper than dope right now, and I'm excited to be here with you. Doper than dope. I'm going to jump on the dope train with you. <laughs> We're just going to dope this out. I'm grateful to be here with you too. So tell me, what be your intention for this dope conversation? I just want to give some people some truth serum, whatever mm. that is, however it comes, just, you know, let's just chat and see how we can inspire, empower, and edify people. Mm. Edify. Now that's interesting. You use that. I, I've never had that popped up before, but what do you mean by edify? So like, For me, edify is almost like reinforcing, Mm -hmm. you know, lifting people up. Mm. And so sometimes, like right now, we're in a time where there's, for lack of better terms, the word that's floating around right now is uncertainty, Mm -hmm. right? There's fear. People don't know what the future holds. Um, We're worried about the health of ourselves and our family. And sometimes you need reinforcement, right? And so... My um, love language is actually words of affirmation. You are beautiful, and I mean that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. (laughs) I got plenty more for you. We got however long this is going to take. I got all kinds of loving coming for you. (laughs) Yeah, so edifying people is that, like using using your words to like hold them up. Mm. Which is, it's so important, especially now, and actually it's great that you bring up the awareness of knowing what your love language is Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's like trying to put on clothes that don't fit and you know somebody's not speaking that love language to you and they're maybe they're giving what they want to receive but being able to to acknowledge somebody and to have them really get it uh actually are one of our common mutual um connections relationship one of my coaches uh iman always talks about how when we can really edify somebody that it can elevate their listening of themselves and when somebody has an elevated listening of themselves they show up differently they show up more powerfully and i know that that's something that you're really committed to is that people really know and own their power absolutely i think that's super important you know i think we get socialized to mimic and look like everyone else and some of us are fortunate enough to get to a point in life where there is an awareness that this is who I am and who I want to be. And I think when you start to like get grounded in that and lean into that, mm-hmm. incredible things start happening. You know, the, the ripple effect of how you impact people. And it doesn't have to be like huge waves. It's just your presence to someone is powerful. Um, and we don't always, everyone doesn't get that opportunity, right? Because society says you should do this or be this way or that way. And it actually takes courage to own your power, right? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. that may require you to go against the grain or what 
is deemed as normal for other people. Like, look at you, your name, your name is Wolf. <laughs> That's you owning your power, mm-hmm. right? That that took courage to do that, but it's your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting the the dichotomy that I experienced with that in my family. I have some family members who I've never even spoken to, and they started calling me Wolf. And then obviously, like my parents, they still call me by my birth given name, which is Jared, which is totally fine. I I have no attachment to who calls me what. I just know that the people who know me, who mm-hmm. like know me, they call me Wolf. Mm-hmm. And regardless, my goal in, in any of that is not to force my truth onto somebody. That's That would be against everything that I'm for. It's about me being able to own it. And like you said, when I can own it, in a way, it also gives people around us the permission to do the same. Absolutely. I, I think when I met you, when I met you, you were still Jared. Yes. Yes, I was. And I remember the transition to Wolf wasn't a thing. It was just... Because I think because you owned it so well, that it just was a seamless transition. Oh, okay, well, that's Wolf now. And I don't even think about, not that Jarrett doesn't exist, because he does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a forced thing like, oh, now I have to remember to call this person Wolf. You mm. embody it so well. And I think that's what owning your power is all about. Mm. And that's something that is kind of a, a guiding light for your mission, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite poems and quotes, and there's lots of, uh, there's a little bit of, we don't know where, who it really originated from, if it was Marion Williamson or if it was, um, wow, why can't I remember his name? Love her. She's great. This is crazy. Why can't I remember his name? What is, what would I know him from? The, the guy that was locked up in South Africa. <laughs> South Africa. I thought you were going to say Nazi Germany. I was going to say Nelson Mandela. Oh my God. (laughs) That went straight out my brain. You're having a total brain fart. Um, So, and we own it and we're walking. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a little bit of back and forth about who actually originated it, um, whether it was him or her, but Mm -hmm. the poem, our deepest fear. So our deepest fear is that we're not inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond, beyond measure. It's not our light, but our darkness. I can't remember the rest of it, but it goes on to say, when we shine, as children do, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Mm. And I believe that I'm called to lead leaders of leaders and how they lead is by the essence of who they be, not necessarily what they do. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's in a way, it's helping people to remember and recognize the giant within them. Mm-hmm. And something that it popped in my awareness recently was the distinction between becoming versus remembering. And this was something, uh, again, I can I can say his name a million times just because he's so quotable, but Iman dropped this on me. And he said that there, the difference is in the becoming, it's as if you're at the base of the mountain looking up and saying, hmm, one day I'll be worthy of that. Or one day I will be there. Or one day I will have done enough to be able to say that after I've gotten my, my bruises and my scars and I, and I blood dripping down my face and I have 10,000 pounds of sweat, which we would say hours, and that equals mastery, whatever arbitrary number we came up with. Somehow we did that, measured that. But one one way of looking at it is one day I can get there. And that's the process of becoming. But what he shared with me actually yesterday, and it, 
is completely altering my perspective on life is remembering. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the top down approach where it's like, I am worthy. And I look down and I see all of these cobwebs that I need to go and clear out that have blinded me or made me forget that I am already this way. I am already powerful. I am already capable. And sure, there is some process of skill development that might need to occur and undergo in order for us to be able to actualize on our potential. And as you mentioned, being able to to awaken the giant within to kind of quote Tony Robbins's book a little bit. I think that's the name of the book. But being able to to own that inherently, I feel like, you know, call it God, call it universe, call it whatever you'd like. Like, it's almost like that was innate within us, but somewhere along the lines that is ripped away from us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I have a saying, um, and I don't know where I heard it. So it's not my saying, but whenever we forget things or we think that we can't just like to breathe and say, my soul remembers how to do this. Mm. because it's already imprinted in your DNA, right? Your leadership, your, um, your presence, your power, your purpose. I believe, you know, people are always looking to find their purpose. I'm like, purpose is seated in you before the beginning of time. Mm. It's that knowing, right? That remembering, instead of trying to become the purpose, it's remembering you are purpose. I got chills. Remembering you are the purpose. Okay, this is great. I have a feeling that this is going to be like a really heavy, uh, a concentrated point of focus on this episode. This is great. I love this. So what is purpose defined for you? And ultimately, what is your purpose? Mm. So this is like a cool conversation to have right now, because I think (laughs) in the defining of purpose, like there is this... It's almost like that difference between becoming and remembering, right? Mm-hmm. When we're trying to define purpose, we're looking outside of ourselves for what we must do, the doing. And I believe purpose is in your being. Hmm. When I look at my purpose on this earth, it has nothing to do with like, I'm supposed to impact this many people or I'm going to go do these great things. When I look at who I've been for the entirety of my life, I, when you do that, when we all do that, I think you can find what your purpose is. And I, I did that a few years ago. And here's what I realized that no matter how old I was and what I was doing, I always inspire courage and possibility in people just mm-hmm. simply by being. Just who I am beckons people to rise when, when they are in my presence. That's my purpose. That's it. And I don't even have to try to do that. I just show up and it happens. That's what I believe purpose is. It's just who you be. I got goosies the whole time. I just felt like waves just flowing through me. And this is great because I think the misconception, and I was just reading this today, is we mistake our purpose for our occupation. Mm -hmm. And I think that our occupation should be a reflection of our purpose. It's And it's in essence, the work that is the offspring of this, as you mentioned, already intended being before we even came here, that, that purpose, perhaps you call it your why, you call it your mission, your, your vision for the world, Martin Luther King Jr.'s mission for equality for all people. I have a dream. And it's 
remembering that that to me is ultimately why I started this podcast. Rather, I say I, and I, I actually seek to remove that why we started this podcast, why we started this movement is because there are so many like myself whom not only did we forget, but we're not taught how to remember. Mm-hmm. And then there are so much noise. It's like, I have earbuds in right now. There's so much noise. You have to be this way. Your, ha- your hair has to look this way. You, you, you can't, you know, you know, do these types of sports. You have to go and get this type of job. You have to go and get this degree and, and you have to do all these things. And it can be so difficult to tune all of that out and whatever your process is for remembering that actually, that, that is probably a great question is, is how do we begin to tune that out and to tune into that voice whether you call it, maybe you call it God, maybe you call it spirit, but tune into that voice and look back, not from a place of apathy or even like regret, but, oh, these are all breadcrumbs pointing at, I believe you said courage. You invoke courage. And what was the second word? Possibility. Possibility. How did you see that? So I was actually at a workshop. That's how I saw it. I was at a workshop (laughs) and someone asked me, like, if you look back, uh, like, as long as you could, as far back as you could as a child, what were you always doing? And I'll tell you, when I came up with the answer, immediately something inside of me said that's wrong, right? Because society says you can't just be courage and possibility. It's got to be something deeper. But when I look back at every time I try to do something, it kind of seems easy. I make it look easy. I make it look good, right? (laughs) And so even as a child, I would do things and then lots of other people would get the courage to try it. You know, I recently, not recently, like a couple of years ago, jumped out of a, a plane. You would not believe how many people sent me messages saying, I'm going to do it now. Hmm. By this point, though, I know that's who I be, right? Um, I do CrossFit. And there, I get messages all the time from people that are like, I'm working out now because of you and the fact that you show me those things. It's who I be. So if you follow the trail and you look at how you've interacted with the world and people and society for the entirety of your life, you'll see purpose. You'll see if you're a person who is, um, you know, someone who is like a helper and you're meant to uplift people and help them or supporter, you'll know what that is. You know, my, my job in life has always been for those who come across my path, for them to leave Boulder, even when I'm not trying. Because that's how you be. Yeah, it just is. And even jumping out of a plane, that that is an expression, that's a doing of your being, because that that takes courage. Mm-hmm. That that takes a certain amount of go get it possibility, you know, of overcoming something like that. And you know, we see the doing, but it is your being. Mm-hmm. Your being is what produces that doing. Right. And this is really great because this is what now my journey has become. And I think so many of us have the opportunity to do given the, you know, it's, what is it? April 24th. You know, obviously we're in whatever state that COVID is in right now. And so many of us, yeah. (laughs) We're we're in the state where we all need haircuts and our nails done. (laughs) Yeah. We, the weave is all over the place. I've, I was just telling you before I've made my, my, made my, my request that if somebody knows of any essential barbers, hook a brother up, let me know because it's getting ratchet in here and you know we're just we're just gonna own it for now yeah 
all the Oh, and and also some some damn cuddles, hair, fingers, nails, and cuddles. Those are I, like those are necessities. I'm not even a big hugger or anything, but right now I'm like I just want to hug everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I am a hugger. So it's like, whatever you're experiencing, mine has also gone to that depth and, and further. I'm like, where are my people? I just want a big old hug. <laughs> Line up, everybody. Free hugs. I'm going to give for a t-shirt. Free hugs. <laughs> hashtag quarantine. Hashtag six feet or however, six yards, whatever the hell it is. Um, so do you relate to yourself as always having been this courageous person of possibility? Like, have you just always been this badass? Because... I think for some people like myself, the, the remembering it's easy to look at someone like you, Mm -hmm. purple hair, jumping out of planes, this amazing human being and be like, Oh man, looking up. It's like a looking up type effect. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I don't know if I could, I could really be that person. What got you to to this state? Cause I don't know. I don't know if you just woke up like this, like every single day, something tells me you went through something. I think you like Beyonce, right? I do. You do love you some Beyonce. <laughs> I do. Um, so I'll say this because there's a, I think there is a dichotomy to what you just asked because if, if I've been this way since the beginning of time, I have always been this way. I didn't always recognize it. Ooh. So when I got a chance to go back through my life, it's like, oh shoot, you are pretty badass and you just need to own that. It's just who you are. Look at all these things that you've always overcome You know, when faced with something, you could always figure out a way, right? That's where the possibility comes comes in. So yeah, I've always been this way, but I didn't recognize it. I didn't own it. Um, But if I were to go back, let me think of a moment. For me, having um, people in my life, like you have them on, having coaches and Mm self-development is what started heightening my awareness Um, But the moment where I really, really wanted to or decided to step into the fullness of who I am um, started back in a a previous recession that we were in when I lost everything. Mm -hmm. And losing everything brought up an identity crisis for me. You know, there was shame, a huge amount of shame. Um, feeling, um, feeling like I had lost, right? Like I had worked so hard on my life for so much. And so here I was, you know, a, a person with multiple degrees, someone who had earned six figures by the time I was 20, I think 24, 25 years old. And I, I think around that time I was probably around 30 ish. So here I was 30 years old and everything that I worked for, my nice big house, cars, all the stuff that I thought made me who I was, was stripped away. And when stuff gets stripped away like that, especially the things that you find your identity in, I don't care if it's people, relationships, or things, when it disappears, you gotta, you, it's an opportunity, it's an invitation to rise. So you have a choice right? You can lose yourself in the lamenting of the loss or you can find out who you really are. And so in that moment of having lost everything that I had poured my identity into, 
because I wanted to prove to people that I was worthy. I had no choice if, unless I was going to crawl under a rock and just live my life that way, but to start to get real about who I was as a person and own the journey that I had to that point. Um, there's something that I talk about and the work that I do that comes from that moment and it's permission slips. I had to give myself permission to do some things. And so the way that I got to the point where I was willing to look at myself as powerful continually, even in my setbacks, failures, and disappointments, right? I have flaws and everything, but that does not negate my power. So I'm literally broke. I have children that I need to feed and I go from high on a hog, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, living immaculately to sitting in the welfare office because I needed to feed my children and feeling like I stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> I did not, one of these things is not like the other, right? I didn't belong, but it was where I was at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like sitting there and, and looking around, definitely feeling like all eyes were on me and like so much shame about it that you can, I can like feel the hair on my arms, like standing up for like, why am I here in this space needing this support? And I remember just being so ashamed and almost audibly hearing what I'm going to call the voice of God saying to me, this is not over. Get up and fight. And so in that moment, I didn't know what I was doing. In hindsight, I went back to looks. People have asked me over years, what's this pivotal moment for you? And I realized that that moment was about me giving myself permission. And there was three permission slips. Would you like for me to share them with you? No, not. <laughs> if you ever want a cliffhanger, and this is the end of the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Follow yeah. the wolf. All right, peace. <laughs> Tune in for the next episode. <laughs> Give it to me. All right, so I'll give them to you. So the first permission slip was permission to trust, to own my value, let's say that. Permission to own my value, right? To own my value that I'm innately, I have an innate value that no one, no thing, no circumstance, no situation can take away. And so the way that I illustrate this, I, oh, Actually, I do have something. Look at that. I can do it. Um, I usually illustrate it with money. I typically will do it with a $100 bill because it's more visceral for people when I do it with a $100 bill. Sure. Um, but let's, let's pretend like this is a $100 bill. So, so for those of you who are not looking at the video, she's holding up a, a dollar bill right now as, a, as an analogy. Absolutely. So if I were to ball this money up, how much would it be worth? It's still a dollar. Okay. And if I were to throw it on the ground and drag it under my feet, how much would it be worth? Last time I checked, it was still a dollar. Yeah. So, and if I were to rip it? it should still be a dollar, I think. Right. So no matter what happens to this thing, it doesn't lose value. 
Mm. And that was like a deep understanding. I wasn't showing up in the world that I was supposed to show up, up how I was supposed to show up because I was in deep shame about my setbacks, my failures, my disappointments, the things that I had lost, the things that I had gone through because I had been with myself through all of those things all the time. And I let it siphon my value, my courage, my self-esteem. And so that day I wrote myself a commission slip to own my value, realizing that it never goes away. And then I began to feel a little bit more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, the second permission slip that I had to write myself was to trust um, the wisdom within me. You know, when I'm working, I, I'll say my expert status, but the wisdom that I possess, just because I went through some things, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away at all. And so I took a page out of Muhammad Ali's book. And so there's a thing that I do all the time. I always ask people, who's the greatest boxer of all time? They'll always say Muhammad Ali. And I'll say, who said he was the greatest? He did. He said he was the greatest. And I think coming to yourself is where you have self-love and self-value first before you're like, we're waiting on invitations to hang out with certain people, play on the big kids playground, um, be friends and parts of cliques and all kinds of things, right? Mm. But in reality, the first relationship that you have a responsibility of a relationship is to yourself. You deem yourself worthy. You deem yourself lovable. You love yourself. And that's what he did. In fact, he said, I said I was the greatest before I ever knew I was. Before I ever was, I was saying I was the greatest. He called that thing into existence. So that was the first, the next permission slip. And then the last one was to stop hiding. I was hiding in plain sight. I would... (laughs) because I wanted to put a a persona out for people, like how I thought people would accept me, I would wear, can you imagine this, Jared? I want you to think about this. I would wear blue, navy blue suits and a string of pearls. (laughs) Okay. If, and if if you don't if you don't know her at some point, you should check out her profile. You'll know that that's absolutely not how this woman rides. Yeah, but I used to, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, this is who you are in the world. This is what your job title is. I was in financial services at the time. Yep. And so there came a space where I had to give myself permission to stop being seen, but not really being seen, right? Mm. To stop hiding who I be, the essence of who I am. So yeah, now I'm rocking my natural hair. Sometimes it's shaved on one side. It's been purple for almost five years. Um, I just roll how I roll. And life life shifted and changed and became more juicy and and powerful for me when I stopped hiding. And, And mostly it's hiding in plain sight. So giving myself permission to be seen. To really, actually, let's say this, giving myself permission to be witnessed in all my glory, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. You and I had a conversation um, when we were coming into this. Should I put on lipstick or not put on lipstick? I decided not to. Yeah. You guys can just see me like I am, if you can see me. now you just you imagine a in your head just someone with lipstick or without and she chose not which that's that's owning that for you right right 
it, it's just who I am. I mean, I got my magnetic lashes on because, you know, that's what we're doing in quarantine. Me too. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Hey, eyebrows on fleek all right. the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So not to put words in your mouth, but the first one is really to like, to really own our own self-worth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to really, and it's, it's, not only is it, I guess the owning it becomes uh, almost like a step after remembering, would you say? It's like you remember and then it's like, oh, oh, I have a choice right. here. And then to choose to say, I'm going to own this now, I would imagine it wasn't just like, you're like, all right, cool, I own it. And now it's just like this all the time. Like that was this, again, this process of of having to check yourself out of the old way of being and doing because naturally what wants to arise are these old thought feeling behavioral patterns that want to slip back into i'm not worthy i am i'm only worthy if absolutely i don't think you ever arrive in that Mm. i i'm constantly i also i i think i believe that whatever your core wound is or whatever if you have a unworthiness conversation that's going on it will continue to show up it just continues to show up at different levels, right? So it's a day by day, minute by minute, sometimes second by second choice to own your worthiness and your value. Hmm. I mean, I know I've been diving into this. I'm pretty sure that my core wound is, is worthiness. I'm, I'm almost certain because as I dive deeper into my truth, the reason why I haven't owned my truth and ultimately, you know, deciding I'm going to change my name to Wolf and live as a live as who I say I'm going to be versus who I was told I'm going to be. That was because of Mm -hmm. this deep, deep yearning for acceptance and approval and validation for the people around me. Because if that gets revoked, who am I? Mm -hmm. Because we are like taught to us. We are taught in a way that who we are is, in relationship and association with the things and the people around us, much like how you pointed out that your relationship to your own self-worth was attached to, to maybe it was the cars, the house, the lifestyle. And all of a sudden that's revoked. And it's like, here I am in welfare, looking around, like I don't belong here. Right. Yeah. I wasn't, I was naked as far as I was concerned and, and not naked in a way, like all of those things covered me, the person, the human, right. Mm-hmm the 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 spirit the soul those things were actually in the in the way being naked there was nothing wrong with me being naked i just perceived it as being wrong Ooh. right i came into the world naked <laughs> right but we do all these things to cover ourselves or i did i won't put that on everybody else i did all of those things to cover the worthiness issue right i was proving i was in a cycle of proving a, a huge cycle of proving. Um, and so, yeah, when everything was stripped away, the only thing that was left was me. Hmm. And at that moment, I didn't deem it enough. It wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. That's, <clears throat> that's exactly how it was for me when it came to schooling. The reason why I finished college all the way through, because I knew that I wasn't pursuing the degree that I was pursuing for myself, the reason why I stuck it through is because, well, I can't let my family down because I'm going to be the first person to graduate from my family with a degree. And my parents and, and everyone have so much writing on this. They invested time. They took care of me. They put a roof over my head. They did all of these things to prime me up. And I will never forget walking across, shaking the hands with all these 
weirdos with their Hogwarts looking outfits on, looking like something out of Harry Potter, getting my flimsy piece of paper, sitting down, looking at my family off to my left. They're super pumped and excited and hearing the, however many thousands of people are in this auditorium and like the, the voice is starting to go silent as I'm looking at this and thinking to myself, was this what this was all about? Mm. Now, now I have this piece of paper. Am I, am I worthy of doing something valuable in this world? Can I, can I now go into the, the workforce and, and then take all of this time, effort, energy, the resulting depression and anxiety that I went through like all of that is that now, now I'm worthy. I can now go and do something of service to this world. That was, that was a tough place to be. And that was actually only five or six months before I met you and went to that event. Hmm. And that was when I declared in a way that was one of the first declarations where I was just like, it can't continue being this way for our young people. I mean, in people in general, I know there are people I can imagine going to their thirties, forties, fifties, they'll die with the regret of never living a life true to them. Matter of fact, I was just reading something that talked about, I can't remember the woman's name, but she did some research. Uh, she was working at a facility where, um, uh, where they basically took care of you know people who were in there who were elderly before they passed, and she surveyed them and listed the top five regrets. And the first one that was listed was that they were afraid to live a life true to themselves, not affected by the opinions of others. Wow. Number one regret. Wow. When I hear that, it makes me think a couple of things. One, I'm like, wow, that's crazy that that's the number one regret of anybody who's like leaving this planet and this earth. Because um, you feel like, oh, well, I'm not alone. But also how sad is that, that we live in a society where we put so much on people. And then the other side of me goes, I'm so glad I'm on this journey mm-hmm. of freedom to be me. And I'm calling it a journey because I, it is that right? There's, I don't know that there ever is an arrival, but I know that I want to continually give myself permission to just go deeper and deeper into who I am and who I really be and peeling like these layers and layers of imputed um, behavior, um, standards that have nothing to do with the essence of who I am. So kind of grateful to have that experience um, and yet still knowing, and, and it goes back to what we were talking about though, right? If you and I are doing this work, then there's a ripple effect to that. Yeah. There are other people who are going to be liberated by the freedom that we give ourselves to let go of all those things and to not be one who lays down with that regret when it's all said and done and when we take our final breath. That, that is the essence of the butterfly effect. The butterfly flaps its wings here and it's felt across the world. And I heard a quote somewhere, again, source, I'm not sure, but it said that the wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Mm-hmm. That's a Dude. really tough pill to swallow. I spend a lot of time in the graveyard. It's one of my favorite places to go to. Mm. I'm kind Enlighten of getting me. emotional thinking about it. I will spend hours 
witnessing the dead and realizing that there are lots of dreams, um, ideas, inventions, um, loves, unrequited love, all in this space. And so I walk stones and I look at um, birth dates and death dates and see who's all around them and try to correlate things. It's it's one of my um, favorite pastimes to do and try to remember or try to think of what life was like when they walked the earth. And it also for me correlates back to we are living in history now. And at some point in time, someone will be walking past a place where I'm laid to rest, right? My grave. And I will have gone. My breath would have left my body. And I would have done all that I could do in my lifetime. And all that would be left is that. So I, it doesn't matter where I travel to, if I have time, I'll spend time in a graveyard. It's one of the places I will always go. I have two things I want to say about that. First is I've, I never connected it that deeply, but now you make me want to actually follow in that sentiment because I remember the one time that I went to a graveyard, I believe it was the, I believe it was the Arlington Cemetery. Mm-hmm. This was the one I think in, in DC. I was in DC. I remember I was in DC, but whatever the name of the cemetery was that was dedicated to Vietnam, I believe it was Arlington. I could be wrong. Somebody will correct me if I'm not right. But I remember feeling the space and you couldn't help but just hear the bellows and feel the bellows of all of the mourning of of loss. And, you know, there's, there's this heaviness that comes with the idea of, of death and dying and passing. And one thing that I always hope is that when I go, that when I go, that, and it reminds me of this great quote I heard from Eminem, I think it was in the, the I think it was the song Spacebound. He said that instead of mourning your death, I'd rather celebrate your life, elevate the new heights, step on the gas and accelerate. I'm going to need two mics. Like wanted that. What I hope is that at my, at my, passing that they're that they're not mourning as much as they're cel- they're celebrating a life and they're laughing and they're telling great stories of times that they connected with me and I only just recently hit this point in listening actually to Gary Vaynerchuk where he said that his measure of success is based off of the number of people at his funeral I realized that in hearing that I was like I want the measure of success in my life to be the number of people who felt like they were loved, cared, cared for, or seen by me or someone in the community that we created, that they felt loved. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, here we are, we're at your funeral. People are sell- people are people are there. You're all the people that maybe they've impacted. You've been impacted by you, or the people people who you love. What is the lasting message, or the lasting thing you would hope that people would get when that journey comes to its beautiful transition? So. I feel like I have two coins, two sides of a coin on on my lasting message. The first one is that life is meant to be lived. 
Mm-hmm. That's it, right? I don't know if you've ever heard the poem, The Dash. Mm-hmm. And there's a poem, I don't know the poem by heart, but you can look it up. The poem, The Dash, is all about the dash between your birth date and your death date <laughs> on your tombstone. I want my dash to be full. Life, love, impact, all of those things. I want it to be full, not full in, in, in mass, right? But fully lived, fully experienced, fully felt. So that's the thing is that people would know that life is meant to be lived. And then the second part for me, because I am a follower of Christ, um, is that I lived my life wholly and completely in service of that. Hmm. Period. I feel like when we can have these types of conversations with ourselves and the people that we care about and we can start to, just like with any great goal, any great mission, any great battle, any great course you've taken, or even Netflix series, there's, there's, <laughs> there's this idea of where we want to land. And when we can, I think, take the, the heaviness out of that for a second and just really think, okay, got it. Like, this is it. I'm going. Mm-hmm. What do I want to leave the world with? And then walk backwards from that point. We can begin to see, is what I'm doing now going to be a reflection of that life right am i am i going to choose to to play my life on the the side of the team that plays safe and secure and in 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 avoidance of potential condemnation from people who quite frankly don't see us to begin with and they're walking around blindfolds themselves mm-hmm. will i choose to follow that path or will i choose to skirt into the finish line of life bruised bloodied but having lived a fully life like shoes are like the soles are ripped off and you've already taped them three separate times but man you rode the dark horse into the night don't go silent in that quiet night there's some some quote like that like don't go quiet in that silent night like we we did it how do we walk ourselves backwards to this point and begin to live that life First, I want to say that that's actually quite, I don't want to call it difficult, but it has to be intentional and Mm -hmm. we're not always intentional in life, right? So I think there's going to be ebbs and flows where things bring us back to center. Like now is a moment that can bring us back to center and go, how do I want to live? How do I want to impact? How do I want to lead, right? Mm Because you can get in that mundane of just doing what you do every day and it's easy to get there and be intentional sometimes and not intentional. I don't know anybody who's 100% intentionally living the life they want to live all the time. Cause guess what? We're human beings. We have emotions. We make mistakes. There's things that happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think awareness is the first thing, right? So you're aware that you want to live a life like that. Yeah. And so then it, when you begin to pattern interrupt and do begin to develop habits around the life that you want to le- lead and what you want to leave behind, the legacy you want to leave behind, you'll have more occurrences of living in that space than not. Hmm. And also being able to, I would imagine, bring compassion when we're not that thing. 
because it's easy to to beat ourselves over the head when we pick up that spoon and we start shoveling our, you know, some ice cream into our face when we know that we committed to not doing that. And it's like, oh, well, I'm already three. I'm already like two heavy scoops in. And uh, actually something I, I read this book is called Own Your Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus. I'm a big fan of his work. And one of the things that he said in his book is that sometimes the most amazing choice that we can ever make is when we're two or three bites into that ice cream and we just say, I don't have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to finish this deed. I can stop right now. And that is still a win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of grace. Mm. I'm like, be gracious with yourself always. All the time. Um, you know, I hear people, especially when they're like dieting, like you're talking about the bowl of ice cream. That's like, I'm having a cheat day or, you know, <laughs> I'm really, really trying. I'm like, I don't even look at it as cheat days. I look at it as a decision, right? I chose to have the ice cream and then I chose to stop when I stopped. Mm. And guess what? That is still a win. <laughs> mm. Right? It's it's all decisions. Um, so I think having grace with yourself cultivates you having grace with other people. Okay, that's interesting. Do you think that in a way that if we were to have more grace with ourselves, say when we we pick up that tub of ice cream and we eat it, that we would be more likely to get back on track and perhaps it's the beating ourselves over the head that has us continue to get off that track? I absolutely, that is a very powerful belief of mine. Hmm. So in a way, it's intentionally creating space for the misdirection, knowing that, and not to get complacent, like, oh, well, I'll just have grace. And then like, kind of like, you know, you know, use that as like a weird, like self-tricking way to to you know, make it okay. But to say, you know what, like, yeah, I'm going to eat this ice cream and I'm, I'm going to be back in the gym and I'm not going to keep doing this, but grace, like to really to allow that. To allow it. I'm actually on a weight loss journey right now. So it's funny that we're talking about this. And so is my daughter. And so, you know, she's very stringent about her, what she's eating and when she's eating and how much of talk to her. She, she was showing me. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like way into it. And I'm just in a space in my life where I'm like, if I want a peanut butter sandwich, I'm going to have one. Yep. And then I'll wake up the next day and she'll be like stalled on the scale. And I'm like, oh, lost two pounds. <laughs> Because I think there's some emotion to that as well, right? To the releasing of the weight and all of those things. And so if we don't put so much weight and heaviness on the situation or the mistake, we can have the peanut butter sandwich or the spoonful or two or three of ice cream or the freaking tub if you want it. If you got to do it. Right. And then just keep moving. Just, just keep, keep moving. Swimming. I, I think though that I have that, uh, that is a knowing of mine because of everything I've been through. So remember my story, all failures, setbacks, disappointments. I've learned to be gracious with myself in all ways, in all ways. Hmm. And I, there's something about the, the setbacks and the fall downs and the landing directly on your face, rolling over and like, Again, I've got to get better with like naming my quotes. It's going to happen. One day I'll just be like, all oh, my quotes will be just on point, just right <laughs> off the top of my head. But there was this quote. I remember I was listening to a motivational video. I got really big into motivational videos for a while. Just like listening to like, yeah, I'm motivated. Just brush my teeth with real intention. Just, <laughs> just getting pumped for the day. My teeth get extra white. But one of the things it said is if you, if you can look up, you can get up. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to just roll ourselves over. I know I had a point in this. Honestly, I got a little bit psyched up. I think up that's and... Les Brown, by the way. Les, Les Brown? Mm-hmm. 
you can look up. You oh, oh, less brown. I thought you were referring to my teeth. I was just like, I mean, I don't know why they'd be brown. <laughs> I was a little bit lost. Like, what do you mean less brown? Like, they're not brown. We like a brick. I was like, my teeth right now? Okay. I'm completely dead with that. <laughs> <laughs> then that is the name of the show right there. Less brown question mark? My teeth are, no. <laughs> that actually probably is less brown. Now that you think about it, I can hear his voice in my head saying, yeah, if you could look up, you yeah, that's him. You're totally right. It's absolutely less brown. That man is a motivational fool. Yeah, he's inspiring everybody. I know I had a point in this. I don't remember what it was. However kind of tying it back to so that was this is interesting this was like a big deep rabbit hole down the your point one about self-worth and i think in a way we actually tied into i believe your second one was about trust about mm-hmm. trusting this inner guidance yes. mm-hmm. how do you how do you turn that volume up so i've had this conversation with a couple of people and i'm really curious to hear everyone's perspective because it's really easy to get lost in all the voices that are you know me, 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 me. And this is not even just the outside voices this is like our own inner chatter. How do you distinguish between the the voice of the truth of your inner guidance and you maybe call it ego, maybe you call it, you know, old programming, inner child. How do you manage that? Okay. So I kind of have three things to say about this. First, take risk, mm-hmm. right? There, there's a, some courage required. And then that risk may look like, which is the second thing, going against the grain. So mm-hmm. If all is saying go this way, we'll typically go, well, if everybody's saying that, then I'll, I should probably just do what everybody else is doing. Sometimes take that risk to go the opposite of what everybody else is doing. And yeah, you might be alone and, you know, there may be all kinds of things that could happen. But the more you do that, the more you'll, it's, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a working of a muscle, right? You'll go, oh, that wasn't really my inner guidance. That was pretty stupid, right? And you'll start to know, which leads me to the third thing. If your mom were to call you in a crowded room, would you know her voice? Hmm. Absolutely. Right? I know my kid's voice, but my kids know my voice. If I were to say, hey, from across the room, they would know my hey. (laughs) I think you have a very distinct hey, I'm sure. But yes, I get what you're pointing at. (laughs) And so so the point of this is the more time you spend with someone or something, that intimacy breeds familiarity. Hmm. And so that honing of the inner wisdom and the inner guidance is you've got to be in it. You've got to allow it to guide you sometimes, right? No matter, come what may, right? Your, your inner guidance may guide you down a path that doesn't seem as expedient as you thought it would be, but it was still for you. Hmm. And the more you do that, you begin to be able to drown out the other voices because you, you're intimate with it. And you know when it's truth. You're like, oh yeah, that's a hit. Mm. If you don't spend time with it and you're always just following whatever everybody else is doing and what's coming your way, you won't begin to trust your inner wisdom because you don't know the sound of its voice. Mm. I find these last two, the one that sound like familiarity is what I heard. And then the second, which is to, uh, to really start to be okay with going against the grain. This to me is one of the most difficult things that I'm encountering in my journey. The reason being, especially when it comes to going against the grain, because it's really easy to lend over our 
inner intelligence for that of somebody who is the expert. So for example, I'm in a lot of circles regarding the podcasting. I'm, I'm newly starting this podcast. And in and of itself, the way that I'm choosing this format is already against the grain. Most people say, oh, especially the people you want to talk to, they have no attention span. There's no way that they're going to listen to an hour, hour and a half long podcast or even sometimes longer. I've had all the way up to two hours. And even thusly is you need to have a specific down nitty gritty niche of what you're speaking to and who you're speaking to. That's like really big in the, in the market, especially in uh, entrepreneurship is niche, 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 niche. And I hear everybody seeing niche. I'm like, okay, I got that. But my inner guidance right now is telling me that I'm still figuring out who I am and what medicine I'm serving. And I think sometimes meeting myself where I'm at looks like all I know is I'm committed to truth. And I believe that the audience is going to reveal itself as I go along. That's what my inner guidance is telling me. And even though I get it, you've gone down this path, you probably made great bits of money and, and success, fame, whatever you want to call it. But right now my inner guidance is saying, Hey, we're still where we're at and they're where they're at and they're looking from where they're at and we need to find our way. So it's tough because there is an expert that says, do this thing. But then there's the part of me that's like, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, there's always a way to do a thing. There's plenty of ways to do a thing, but that way is not always your way. Mm -hmm. Right. There's times where I miss an exit on a freeway or take a turn just because, or maybe Siri takes me a different way or whatever the case may be. Um, and realizing, okay, I could have gotten there faster. However, maybe when I got to the point that I was you know, getting to, there was an accident. Oh, wow. I missed that. I will mm. never know if I could have been a part of that had I went that direction. Right. Mm. Um, sometimes maybe you just need time. So it looks like a misstep, but you're like right now, it may feel like a misstep because your podcast doesn't look like anyone else's, but I promise you, you are growing in leaps and bounds, mm -hmm. right? You are getting what you need. It's not about the way it's about your way. Mm -hmm. I don't mean like your way, your way to do it. It's your path. It's your path. And I believe inner guidance guides us to our path. Mm. And, you know, inner guidance will tell you if, if you should go with the path. But until you start to trust it or not even trust it, to play with it sometimes. Like right now you're playing with your inner guidance. Yeah. You know what that feels like. This feels good to you, right? The more you do that, the more intimate you will become with it. And you'll be able to sense like in a, in a moment, <laughs> what's for you, what's not for you, what to do, what not to do, how you want to move, how you want to live, all of those things. And you can drown out everyone else laughing, fingers pointing, doesn't really matter. Mm. Because you know, you have a knowing, what I call in your knower. In your knower. Right? Trust your knower. And most adults don't trust themselves. It's part of the work I do with my clients. The reason why they struggle, I, I teach sales. And the reason why they struggle most often is because they have learned to mistrust themselves. And they've given their power over to many, many experts and gurus and things like that. And so when you do that over, when you default to outside authorities, instead of trusting your inner authority more often, Ooh, it's like that. easier. You're, you're trained to that ear. So when somebody says go left, you go left, even though you probably should be going right and you want to go right, but you haven't, you're trained to that ear. You're not listening to your own inner guidance. And so you have to learn how to trust yourself again. We <laughs> also don't trust ourselves when we've made a lot of mistakes. Right. If you've made decisions and they didn't quite turn out right, instead of you giving yourself grace, 
you beat yourself up and then you mm-hmm. stop trusting yourself after you do it over and over and over again. Life is a bunch of trial and error. Somebody had to eat a pineapple first. <laughs> yeah, same. somebody had to try those the different mushrooms and some of them were well right. poisonous and they're no longer here to tell us. Right. So and that's what life is about. And so if you can embrace that ride, that journey, there is no right and wrong. And for me, I err on the side of what I would want to do more than what somebody else is telling me their wisdom is guiding them to do. Hmm. I take all wisdom, right? I'll take what's given to me and then I bounce it against my inner knowing. Hmm. And I check myself for fear because fear will make you have you lying and saying it's your inner knowing, but you're just afraid. Sure. <laughs> but there's checks and balances, right? And that's yeah. it's all um, cultivated. You have to work it. Hmm. So that naturally ties perfectly into step three, which the the familiarity. How do you pragmatically approach developing that familiarity? What is is there like? Is it meditation? Is it just sitting down with yourself? Is it being in church? Is it journaling? What is your process of being able to develop that familiarity? Because I imagine just like with anything else, you you step up to the plate and you're swinging and like you miss, you miss. Oh, you hit one. Okay, let me pay attention because even in the the misses, there's something to be learned. But ultimately, in that journey of again of remembering and and the, ultimately the becoming in that particular process, becoming a proficient hitter, we then become able to you know it's just like any sales process. At first, maybe you get one out of ten, then maybe you get two out of ten, then maybe it's going through that that uh, that rigmarole. Sometimes, how do you pragmatically approach that? I, I think there isn't a pragmatic to it. Mm. You have to be willing. There, there's This is where courage just comes into play. You have to be willing to risk things. You have to be willing to risk that you might choose wrong. Mm. It's like the sales call, right? You do them, you do them, you get a no, you get a no, you get a yes. You start to feel what a yes would feel like. You start to know what a client who would say yes looks like, right? Before they even get on the phone. Ooh. It's the familiarity of it. But you have to be willing to risk being rejected to, in order to get there. It's the same thing. You have to be willing to risk swinging out, you know, and not hitting a home run. You have to be willing to risk um, failure. You have to be willing to risk disappointment and not not getting the outcome. If the people who are unwilling to risk never cultivate this gifting. Okay, so it it really does come, right? An experienced sailor uh, has been through what you just treacherous seas and it's yes. you you really do have to come in a way of of knowing i might swing and miss and i might swing and hit but ultimately i become more proficient in the in the doing in the journey but as long as my being is in alignment then my doing will it'll yield whatever it yields but i can always learn and grow and learn and grow and in the process i mean there's just i'm sure you've learned in, in your sales process is that as you became a, more, a smoother sailor in the seas of sales, your ability to track, just looking at someone or even having a couple of conversations, you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah, this is a fit. Or you know what? It's not a fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's from doing it over and over and over again. Over again. And I think the same is true of your inner guidance and your inner wisdom. Hmm. It's going to take some time. <laughs> So this is a a perfect tie-in. So we've we've gone through the three major steps and you kind of 
started to poke into your world of sales is because sales is really the expression of, I would imagine, this purpose that you have, right? This this courage and possibility. How do you connect this 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 commitment that people have this or rather you being that being able to reflect that to others so they see that for themselves well, how is how is your sales um well your business how is that a reflection of that how do those connect because i i would say that that is the the vocation that is the expression of this divine will inside it's the dopest thing ever <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh i just get to be who i be so sales is a mirror for me mm-hmm. um when money is introduced into a situation people reveal things about themselves. And I truly believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything. So mm-hmm. I use sales as a transformational tool to reveal people's power and where they lack and leak power as well. Hmm. So if they are afraid to have a certain type of conversation with someone in a sales conversation, i.e. ask for money, right? They're leaking power and probably they're receiving mode. There's, there's all kinds of things. And so I use sales as a mirror for this self-development, uh, the development of the power, the trusting of your inner guidance and knowing all of that stuff. And it's so much fun to do. And so that's where the courage piece comes in. And then in possibility, because there is money involved, we have a measurement. We have a measurement. Mm-hmm. So I have a client who this week just had her biggest sales day ever cash, $55,000 cash in a day. Shit. <laughs> and then I talked to her this evening and, um, or this morning. And she's like, I had a $96,000 week. And I'm like, you weren't going to call a sister and let her know. <laughs> she's never done that before. Right. But it's because of this process of owning the power, getting getting comfortable with that inner guidance and knowing, knowing who to get on the phone with, who not. She's got, you know, an audience of people. I'm like, they want this offer. You just got to make it. And she had to have the courage to move past that. And now she's celebrating her biggest sales week, biggest cash cash day ever. <laughs> like walking around to her husband, like, look what I did. <laughs> Guess who's um, buying dinner tonight? <laughs> right. <laughs> But it's because, and I see this over and over again, many of my clients, because of this transformational process tied to sales, will do what they did in an entire year in a 90 day or less period of time when working with me. Hmm. Because I'm constantly pushing the envelope of, of courage and possibility. Right. And that thing I talked about, your soul knows how. So I truly believe that if you've made a million dollars over your lifetime, you hold in your DNA, the blueprint to making a million dollars. You just have to learn how to collapse time and do it faster. Mm -hmm. So you could do it in a day if you wanted to. You can do it in a year. You can do it in a month. It's all the makings of it is already there. Right. It's like having a blueprint to a house. You don't have to take a year to build a house. You could technically build a house in a day. Right when you have everything there. And so that's what we're doing. But the, the way to do that is you have to be courageous. Hmm. The possibility is a possibility as a reflection of that courageousness. In other words, it, the more courageousness you have, the, the more likely that that possibility shows up and shows up quicker. Right. Or more possibility. So the more courageous you are, the more you expand your capacity to receive. Hmm. You know, people will always ask me, how much should I charge for something? I'm like, how much can you tolerate receiving? What are what possibility are you open to? And risking being open is courageous. Because if you ask someone, will you buy my $100,000 product, Wolf? 
you got to risk the fact that they're going to tell you no. Mm-hmm. But if you never take that risk, if you never try to sell the $100,000 product or service, you have no possibility of ever getting that 100K. Hmm. You won't sell it. You didn't offer it. <laughs> you're you're going to close 100% of what you don't offer. It's going to be zero. <laughs> yeah. They, they'll, if you miss 100% of the shots, you don't take. Okay. So is there something to be said about God, the unseen, that in a way, if I am willing to, in essence, I'm, 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 I'm making an offer and the offer is, would you like to, to take, you know, go on this journey? It'd be a hundred thousand dollars. Do you think in a way that courageousness that you're pointing at, if we're willing to go there, that almost like God's reward is saying you were willing to go through this and take it on the chin and you were willing to trust, trust. There was the second one, trust in something beyond yourself and to follow that blueprint, to own up to that courage of a possibility. Now the, the reward is you get to have that result. Well, and I think the reward can show up anyway. So Mm -hmm. it may not show up how you think it's going to show up and it may not show up from that particular person, but because the request has been made known, it's already working. Right. Again, being open to the multiple possibilities. This is the desire. The request has been made. It may be this person. It may be another person. It may be multiple ways that it comes, but I'm open to it. Right. I think there is that that capacity is really tied to your 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 courage and willingness to ask. Hmm. And you've, I mean, this is to me, this is what true a true expression of of purpose embodied inside of an occupation that you know perhaps you're calling it sales coaching that you're able to give people in a way, you know, you could say that gets the money and everything else, but who, how they, how they relate to themselves, everything changes. Everything changes. Every, cause again, how you do one thing is how you do all things. If you're willing to make that hundred K ass, I have to imagine that you're also be willing to, to make that ask that scary ass inside of a committed relationship that has way more of an infinite value beyond a hundred K where it's like, Hey, you know what? Like I would really appreciate it. If tonight, because it's been so long, like honestly, we haven't been on a date together in like over three months. If we could just go on a date, you and I leave our cell phones at home like we did when we were teenagers. Yeah. And 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 like, although that might not seem like, you know, a 100K thing to some people, it is that way. Because value is ultimately determined by the, the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. I remember... Actually, that's a really long story to kind of run that one out. So I won't go there, but it's, it just brings us back to that, that $1 crumpled thing that the, the value is inherently in the eye of the beholder. You take a precious gem, a very precious, rare, one of a kind gem to someone like myself, who doesn't have an eye for it. You say, how much is it worth? And I tell you, well, it's, mm, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. But you put that in someone who's like a gemologist, whatever the hell the term for that is, might say, that's worth a million dollars. Right. Right. And you are giving people that possibility to see that within themselves. Yeah. It, it's crazy to watch it manifest. And for me, it's a lot of fun. It's, um, it's exhilarating watching the transformation because you see it. If you look at a video or you experience a client of mine pre me, and then you experience them after, 
you're like, what have you been drinking? <laughs> They've been drinking their own. All the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's, I can't even explain. Can you tell how high, how high I am? Just thinking about it, like mm. watching the transformation and all it is, is them owning who they be. Mm which opens up, they, they own it, they trust it, there's a knowing about it and it opens up that possibility, but them owning and trusting it and having that knowing about it, that's where the courage is. Because what is the quote? See, you're, you're um, um, rubbing off on me. The, <laughs> the quote, um, in a world, oh, in a world, in the, yeah, I'm like in a where world. Wolf and Shamik are having a podcast. Yeah, it's like we're being the same is like touted as something, you know, having your own opinion or being yourself as a rebellion or something like that. Mm. Like this world claps for people who are similar and alike. Mm. You know, even if I look in like the church world where I am, there are like certain types of pastors. They all dress the same way. <laughs> like, why do you guys all have on skinny jeans and these like? They got on a Zoom call before it, and they had to make sure they were coordinated their 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 ties and everything. They don't even try. It's just a thing, right? We live in this world where that's what we do. And if you are the opposite of that, that takes courage, right? It is an act of rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so, being yourself. Mm. It's, it's a, it is a visceral public act of rebellion. How dare you not use your birth name? <laughs> right? that, that, no, seriously, like that's, that to me is like one of like the just most whatever things that has happened as a product of this fall the wolf movement, because Ultimately, the the running expression that I've been I've been almost like using this as like the the running motto for the podcast is truth withheld is poison, mm. truth expressed is medicine, and at least in this point in my life, and I'm really since you've had that conversation about the importance of looking back and really seeing that it was always there, at least in this point in my life, I believe that my medicine to serve right now is truth, and and it starts with me, and what I unknowingly did not. I was afraid was going to happen ultimately did happen was that this podcast was going to become about radical truth and honesty. And what that looks like is me having to fess up and own up to and nakedly walk out onto the stage, all spotlight shining on me with an entire crowd, millions of people looking out and saying, this is who I am. And it's absolutely terrifying because when I realized that at least right now that my calling is to be the person that is going to, to spread this is, I now have to be the person who is going to be fessing up when I really fuck up mm-hmm. and when I fall short. And when I look in every direction, I look 360 view, I look at my, my family, I look at society, I look at public institutionalized education system and everything else. Who I see myself remembering or what I'm remembering about myself terrifies me. Because it's against everything that I have been taught. And it takes something to go to the people in your life. And, and, and I've had this conversation with my mom that I am so deeply afraid to tell you that I've always felt that you would never love me if I didn't experience God and religion the way that you experience religion. And that love is conditional. And that is if I can never truly be connected to you the way that I want to be connected, 
because my fear that if you know who I truly am, that's not lovable. Mm. It's terrifying. Changing my name to Wolf. That's, you know, my mom was, my mom was pissed about it for a little bit. She's like, Oh, really? I gave you Jared. I'm like, I know I get it. But it's different when you, when you go into a range and a variety of topics, when you're the one who is in essence, shouting from a soapbox it's time to wake up yeah i totally get you i'm the one shouting from a soapbox own your power mm-hmm. <laughs> be who you be right and there's moments i want to be like everybody else i'm not i cannot be that's not my truth right it's not the path that i walk it's not it's not how i lead and if i ever try it I'll fall fat, flat on my face. And I do. I still toe dip sometimes. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> it never works. It never works. Mm. You have a podcast. It's called, I believe, Raise Your Game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am guessing here, but something tells me that is connected to all the other amazing things that you're doing? Is it ever relating to sales? What is, what is Raise Your Game about? It kind of, re- it relates to sales, but it's just about how you can be your best, most powerful self. And mm-hmm. in doing that, it directly correlates to how much impact and income you create in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, money is like a, a lot. So money and power for me go hand in hand. Yeah. And money is like one of the most shameful things in the world that people don't like to talk about. And so I talk about it because shame is one of my core wounds. Mm. Um, And I talk about it overtly. And it's also one of those things I believe is a mirror, right? It's a mirror for the impact you have in the world. It's a mirror to show you how you show up because we get all wonky when money is introduced into the situation. It's true. And so, which is why I deal with sales and I want my clients to make as much money as possible because that's where the ripple effect is for them. I want them to build dynasty businesses. And the only way that they can do that is if they raise their game internally. Yeah. It seems like every single person I talk to there, there's a full deep, um, at least a knowing on a conscious level, of course, knowing is not enough. That's one thing I tell people. I don't, I don't actually believe knowledge is power. I think knowledge is potential power because I can know how to I can know how to build a fucking house, but if I don't take that hammer and start. Absolutely. It's, it's, so it's just, that's that, that to me is one of like the rating problems with, with the world that we live in is we consume, we consume, we consume. It's just this food, it's knowledge, it's information, it's all these things that we don't take the time to sit and integrate and actually apply and going from knowledge to experience to wisdom, as Joe Dispenza would say, going from thinking it, knowing it with my head, doing it with my hands feeling it with my heart, mm-hmm. being able to actually take in and put that into practice is a completely different experience altogether. And I wonder, actually, no, this is what I, where I was going with it is so many of us know this conceptually that it's not enough to know. And so many of us know that the work to do is as a foundation, a foundation, right? Whenever you're building a skyscraper, or you're even thinking about a tree, the foundation, the soil, the land from which it sits on ultimately is a determining factor in how great it can grow. But for some of us, we still continue 
to avoid doing the inner work. And our external results are oftentimes a reflection of that internal work, the, the depth of the roots, the depth of that knowing, the, the trusting in that voice. How do you encourage your clients to begin? Maybe you've already kind of pointed at it, but to begin doing that internal work of the mindset or whatever it is, that reflection to have our internal intentions then be directly manifesting into physical, tangible results, i.e. money and and power. And ultimately, I've had a shift in the relationship to power and power is really just the ability to influence and cause uh, to exert some kind of change. And that can, you know, you can use power for good or bad. It's, or, you know, morally, so to speak, but we can ultimately use it to serve us and those around us or not, but being able to use it in a, in a way that serves everyone. Yeah. How do we, how do we do that? So we open up a conversation about power in that we are always at choice. Nothing happens to us, right? We, we are constantly deciding we're not victims of our circumstance. Hmm. Like you can say, oh, I was late because, you know, mm-hmm. like right now I needed to feed my kids or whatever. No, you chose that feeding your kids were more important. And if you can take full ownership of that decision, hmm. that's powerful. It's okay, right? So we start with that. You, you have full power and you are at choice which leads us to everything you create in life is based on a decision. You are constantly making decisions. What you want to begin to do is make those decisions consciously instead of unconsciously. And so how do we do that? We have to begin to open up awareness. Yeah. And awareness is the key to everything. Once you become aware, you have no excuse. No. No. So when you become aware that you're producing a result that you don't want, when you become aware of what's tied to that result, every time you do it again, it was a decision. Hmm. And so we start doing pattern interrupts back and forth with awareness and decisions, awareness and decisions, awareness and decisions. Hmm. Until we create results. Because I believe that your beliefs are actually decisions that you made based on an experience that you had. Beat that beliefs are the product of decisions, of an experience. It's the decision you made after an experience. So you experience a thing. Yep. And you assign meaning to that thing and you make a decision about it. Yes. That in turn becomes a belief that you hold. Right. Someone bumps into me while I'm walking on on the side of the road and I fall down and then they just chuckle and walk on and I make it mean that they don't care about me. And thusly, I go even deeper and say, well, I must not be worthy. They must not care. Absolutely. So that starts to affect your feelings and your thoughts. Yep. Right. And then those feelings and those thoughts actually start to show up in your actions. Mm. Well, if they don't care, then other people probably don't care. And if people don't care, I probably don't have anything value to say. So I'm not going to do a podcast because I don't know what to talk about. I had that. And then you get the result of not reaching more people, not having the podcast. You know, I don't know why. Let's go back to the decision, the point of decision. And every day, every moment, you get to make new decisions. What decision do you want to make in this moment? You decide differently. Your thoughts and your feelings go in a different way. Your actions then go in a different way. And then your results turn around. Hmm. And we are, we're so up against ourselves. So a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is in the, in the realm of neuroscience, epigenetics and things like that. And one of the things that current neuroscience is showing us is that 
we have about 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. About 70, or was it about 60 to 80% of them are negative. Mm -hmm. And each one of them has a biochemical signature of, you know, Negative thoughts lead to negative physiological effects on the body and how nine, about 95% of our behavior subconscious, unaware to us, which is your point about awareness, if we aren't constantly in a state of new awareness, yeah. seeing those thoughts, noticing those feelings, which thusly often how we react, how we behave is in correlation with how we feel. If I feel super shit, I'm more likely to pick up that tub of ice cream. Right. But it takes something. I mean, it takes something to say, I feel bad. And what I normally do is I go and I pick up that tub of ice cream. But I know through trial and error, because I am the scientist in my life, mm-hmm. that that always yields the same result. And that's me feeling shame and guilt. And then thus we're back in this loop of not being worthy. Well, and it's so unconscious, though, that what it takes sometimes is an outside person looking over you going, hey, there's that thing again. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we have mentors, coaches, and people. Exactly. This is brilliant. I was just reading something. uh, Oh, it was so it was this. I don't know. Are you familiar with Bruce Lee? Like the karate guy? Oh, God. Don't just say the karate guy. Well, yeah, okay. It's like yeah. saying Les Brown, no, yeah, he does motivation stuff. Well, I was just trying to make sure you weren't talking about like some guy that's walking the earth right now, Bruce Lee. <laughs> the karate guy, jeez, Shamika. Shamika, guys, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> the karate guy. No, he's like he's like the father of mixed martial arts. So Bruce Lee, totally playing with you. Bruce Lee, uh, he he was also in conjunction with being an absolutely brilliant mixed martial artist and really the founder and paved the way for um, even uh, Asian culture in America because he was one of the first Asian actors to really have like a big impact that way. But in one of his movies, there is a scene where he is... Uh, he's walking around this dojo, like uh, like you see like someone like with their hands behind their back walking around with this like... He always had this like intense look on his face all the time. All the time, he always had this like very intent look. Whatever he was doing, he was there. Matter of fact, I wrote on my arm and my intention for the day and for this podcast, which I never even said was, I am the experience. Mm-hmm. I am the experience experiencing itself. And in the movie he walks up to one of the the students walking around this like dojo, so to speak. And, and he's like, all right, like, let's go. And and they kind of like square up to fight. And uh, he, he tells the kid, all right, hit me, punch me. And the kid goes to punch. And he's just like, no, he's like, that's not it. Try again. Tries again, doesn't do it. And then on the, I believe it's the second or third time he, he's, he asked him to try again and he does it. And then he's like, ah, yes. He's just like, we need emotional content. He said, it's, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. And the kid looks at the finger and hits him on the head. And he's just like, don't look at the finger or you'll miss all of that heavenly glory. Mm. And when I looked up the deeper meaning behind it, one of the things that it talked about was the importance of losing oneself in the experience in order to create a deeper connection to the experience so we can create a deeper connection to ourselves. But one of the things that also pointed at 
was the importance of relationship. And it's how in the relationship to others is how we end up figuring out who we are. Mm -hmm. Because that's that mirror, right? You as a coach, in a way, I come to you, you're my coach. And, and I got all this like gaka happening behind me. It's like all these like things like poking out, like, you know, showing me like all these like, you know, negative beliefs and everything. And you're really just like, yo, like, do you see that? And like, what are you talking about? I look and it's gone. But it's in that relationship and me being able to come to you and holding up that mirror that it's like, hey, that thing that you think that you're not worthy of asking for that 100K offer, that's, that has no barring on reality whatsoever. Matter of fact, I can see right behind you. And when they're able to see that reflection, it's like, if I've been carrying this around all this time, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's okay. It's time to have grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that process is so healing because like you said, it's happening at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Every time we pattern interrupt and begin to rewire those neural pathways of unconscious behavior that we've had for most of our lives, some of us, um, we're changing our DNA. We're changing the very way that we think. Like you said, it's epigenetics, right? Um, and it's powerful and it's beautiful. And the, the power that it holds to affect change just in, in the atmosphere itself. It's not even just about the person's results or who they're becoming. There's like something that just goes out when you're releasing those unconscious negative behaviors that mm. have been reinforced over and over and our thoughts or feelings or beliefs that have been reinforced over and over again. And they just start to peel away and then new connections are put in their place that, yes. that reinforce value and that you're worthy and all of those things. Oh my gosh, it's super powerful. Mm. This is great because we're talking about, in, in essence, pruning old synaptic connections that say I'm not good enough, firing and wiring Hebb's law, nerve cells that fire together, wire together, firing new ones that say I am worthy, I am good enough, I can ask for that. And this ties perfectly into the importance of having people to reflect back to you how powerful you are. And going back to the beginning of the podcast, you said edification. When, when you can get who you are, and you can really start to see that in the reflection of others. We now have that possibility of courage and, and possibility being able to step into our potential and not going to the graveyard, carrying all the weight of ideas that were once good, you know, just like the weight of potential ideas and then, you know, passing. And then we, we look back as, as we're going through our life and we're reflecting on the top five regrets. And one of them says, you know, if I could just have lived a life that was true to me and the number five saying, I wish I could have just realized that uh, I could have chosen to have been happy. Like Mm -hmm. we can choose in this moment to choose happiness, to choose we are worthy and to do that with people who see the beauty in us. And sometimes like me and my feet, my deepest fear of unworthiness and not being loved is it takes leaving behind the known world, stepping into that unknown, finding your tribe that see you, just like an avatar, I see you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why I, um, all of my programs are group programs. So I, it may have like a private component to it, but I I'm, I'm put people in containers together and that's why. Because hmm. it's a rapid acceleration of that reflection, right? And a rapid acceleration of possibility. You see one person go, you're like, oh, if she can do it, I can do it because you've been seeing her 
or him for who they are, right? Just a regular person with same kind of problems. They think they're unworthy sometimes, just like, (laughs) and they just closed a $50,000 sale, right? Then you go, oh, wow. If she can do that when I was just holding her up yesterday, then I can do it. And so there's this whole process of this powerful reflection going back and forth. It's almost like being in a, have you ever looked at one of those fun houses with the mirrors all over the place? Yes. Those are usually really creepy inside of movies where you're sure someone's going to die. But yes, I know what you're referring to. But it's like this rapid acceleration of the projection of the image back and forth. And everybody's power is being reflected against everyone else's. And it just like, it's like a supernova. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing to watch. I think we need, um, that we are, we need the connection to human beings, but in absence of our owning our own value and trusting our own selves and, and, and getting that we are worthy as we are and perfect as we are, Mm -hmm. right. Even with all the, and we're perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. Having someone else reflect that back to you is super powerful and you get to borrow their belief for you. Hmm. It's easier for us to see things in other people than we can see in ourselves. We're our worst critics most often. I don't know anybody where it's not that way. And so when you have other people that you can borrow their belief, cause they only see, they see, they're like, Oh my gosh, you're incredible. And you get to consistently feed that. It's one more way with your eyes, your ears, that you're breaking up those those neuropathways, right? You're breaking them up. You're reinstalling. You're recoding your identity. It's beautiful. I could totally get geek out on this stuff. So uh, this is going to be perfect because I know that we could literally go on forever. And my hope is that we'll be able to go back and do another podcast and we'll look back on this and be like, damn, so much has happened. So much is learning, growing. And uh, in the, in the interest of being able to, to leave people with, oh my gosh, how funny and coincidental as I'm thinking this question, it comes to my head. I look up, I don't know if you've ever read the book, the one thing by Gary Keller. It's a really great book. Uh, but I was going to ask you, we've talked about a lot. Yeah. We've, we've, we've been through your, your journey of, of the purpose and, and going from courage and possibility to the struggle and being inside of that welfare office to, in essence, going through your own journey of remembering who you are. And then in a way, being able to use sales as a process to help people remember who they are mm-hmm. and being able to share that, that love, that light, the, rather, you said the, to live, to love, and to, uh, what was the third word? Live, I, love, and... I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. But to, to, to really own that life, right? Like, yeah. what is one thing, if, if, you get, if, if you get nothing else out of this, that one person, that uh, somebody can walk away with, one thing that they can do to begin to actualize on this, I would imagine, this remembering of how truly spectacular we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's funny you ask that and you say that because I just did a three minute sermon on Facebook the other day. And that's basically all it was, is that you lack nothing. You're not broken. Right. There is, there's nothing you need to replace. You're whole, perfect and complete as you are. Trust that. Brilliant. If people are wanting to get connected with you, and they definitely will, 
no, for seriously, y'all, you want to get connected with her. She's just like a brilliant, brilliant human being. I'm so grateful that you're in my life. What are the ways that people can get connected with you? So there's so many ways. I live on Facebook though. Mm -hmm. That's like my jam. That's where I hang out. So if you just want to connect with me on Facebook and just look me up, Shamika Tankerson, or you can go to shamikatankerson.com. Um, you can also follow the Raise Your Game podcast on um, iTunes, Stitcher, some other places. But I'm pretty sure I have a domain, which is RaiseYourGameShow.com. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? What is it? And if all else fails, Wolf will have all the connection points that you can connect with me. Um you know, I'm always looking to connect with people and I'm always teaching. And, you know, for me, I just want to live light, right? As much as I possibly can. Um, you know, I don't always wake up just thinking, oh, I want to do this to inspire people. Again, it's just who I be. And so everything that I do is meant to light a fire inside of you, who I be. It's just meant to light a fire inside of you. And so if you're looking to like be turned on, um, you know, there's more that you want to go for, but you're not quite sure what's stopping you. Let's please connect. Just connect with me. Mm. Love, 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 love it. Love you. I'm so grateful as hell that you're here. Is there any final, any final word you'd like to say before the journey that is this <laughs> wave kind of takes its gentle, peaceful rest. There is nothing except for thank you. I, mm. I honor the gift in you and I appreciate you for inviting me here to listen to me ramble about all the thoughts and feelings that are going on inside of me. And what you're doing is incredible and amazing as are you. Mm. Thank you. The, I'm merely a, a mirror for all that you've pushed at me ever since I've known you. And even though we haven't always been immediately connected, I've, I've always felt you from a distance. I've always seen the, the light and the love that you're pushing out into the world. My alarm's going off. Uh, and I, I greatly appreciate and admire that. You are definitely inspiring courage and possibility in those around you. And for those of you who are listening, I, if you've made it this far, gratitude to you. I, there is so much gold falling out of the sky in this one. I, I, you can go so many ways with it. But at the end of the day, as we pointed out, it's always going to come down to making a choice differently than we have in the past. And my hope is always is when you're going through this, take something. Even if it's just one thing, take it and, and apply it. Even if it's, I'm just going to decide today, I'm going to work out for one minute or five minutes but it starts with a single decision, having that, that one conversation that was difficult, having, taking that one, one scoop of ice cream, eating it and saying, I don't need to eat it anymore. Whatever that is for you, do that. Because <clears throat> it starts with one, it is the compound effect. And as always, I encourage you to find, follow, and live your truth and to follow the wolf within you. How? Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening in. If you got value out of this message, we would love it if you subscribed and shared it with your tribe so we can continue to share this message and this medicine with people all over the world. Much love and peace be with you.